When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Patsy DeFerris is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. All right, a long, long weekend finally coming to a close. Actually, it's been over. We're here recording late Monday night, as always, on Pat's Interference during the season. Pat's Interference brought to you by FanDuel, exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. It's a long weekend because, at least for your boy, it started Saturday night filling in for a fill-in DJ at a wedding on short notice. Uh, My guy, who is from the Boston area, got to chat with him from a little bit, peeked over at his equipment and realized he didn't have a set list. He was ripping songs from YouTube into his program. And I'm looking and going, can I help in any kind of way? And I am sure watching at home Sunday night, Patriots play the Dolphins and lose 24 to 17. You were feeling something similar in between uh, perhaps some profanity and certainly frustration because the Patriots are 0-2. And as you know by now, so long as you didn't mute your internet, radio, and TV, the Patriots are 0-2 for the first time since 2001. So we are here to break down what happened against the Dolphins. We have a format, again, finally some organization after a rocky, little disorganized season opening uh, recap podcast. Tonight, we're going to have the good, the bad, the fixes. What would NFL film say is making a comeback? And then we'll get to another big mailbag because I tweeted out, just let it all out, man. This is a safe space, frustration, grief. So we will get to all of that. But the thing about the Patriots being 0-2 is this. There are things that they can fix coming off these very close losses to the Eagles and Dolphins. And if you want to convince yourself that the Patriots, as Mac Jones said today in WWEI, are just about 20 yards away from being 2-0, go ahead. I'm not going to stop you. It's early September. The NFL is confusing. Make of it what you will. I would argue it's a lot more than 20 yards. And part of that, they can't fix. Namely, that when Bill Belichick benches Demario Douglas for fumbling in the first quarter, big, bad mistake. And worse than that, a repeat mistake in Belichick's eyes because that was the same mistake that cost the Patriots against the Eagles. Two first quarter turnovers, one of them being a fumble. Can't have it if you're playing Miami. Well, they did, and they lost. But when Belichick does that, and in his mind, bring down the risk of another turnover, that could cost them more win probability against the Dolphins, he also benched their best, most dynamic offensive player. And it wasn't just that you're looking at the Dolphins, just a smoking hot 10 offensively, and at yourself going, wow, that's there's a little bit of a gap here. It's that the Patriots don't have any explosion offensively, and you can't keep up in the modern league against these contenders without that. And Douglas right now, unless Juju finds his old form, you get deep plays down the sideline to Parker, The Patriots don't have it outside of a six-round rookie from Liberty University. And you could see this with their two, all of two offensive plays that you could categorize as explosive. Longer than 10 yards is a run, 
along on 20 yards is a pass. The longest of those two explosive plays was an 18-yard Mac Jones scramble. So part of this, as I mentioned, you can't fix. The roster is what it is. The time has come and gone to overhaul this and become a more explosive team. But there are things the Patriots absolutely can do offensively, uh, namely move off of what I would describe as a Patricia-esque game plan to not only just play Douglas more, but maybe not throw all these bubble screens to Juju, which go unblocked and then cover all three of them, a total of negative one yards. Maybe throw a little bit more downfield and employ some more play action. So we're going to get to those fixes. Again, There's, I think some folks are really down today, and I get that. And I've just laid out a lot of reasons why. But there are fixes here, especially against the Jets team. When you look, not only have they not lost to the Jets since 2015, three of their last four games, the Patriots have just won by not screwing up as much as the Jets did. Okay, let Zach Wilson do his thing. Don't take many penalties. Don't turn it over. You will get in and out of MetLife Stadium with a win. Okay, that's all they need to do in week three. But we're going to have a lot more. Uh, we're, of course, going to have a lot more courtesy of FanDuel. As I mentioned, sponsor this podcast. We have multiple sponsors. I know the solo podcast are going to inundate you with commercials. But I have engaged with all these products. And the longest such sponsor, one of the biggest supporters of the podcast, is FanDuel. And snap into NFL action this season with America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200. That's two zero zero in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, you hear me make these ad reads. And hopefully don't fast forward. Get your money and get into the action right now. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders. I hit the under. For Patriots Dolphins, I just had the wrong team winning. Uh, and lots more. Visit fanduel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. $200 in bonus bets with just your first $5 bet. Must be 21 year older and present Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit is required. Bonus is issued as a non withdrawable bonus bet and expires seven days after receipt. Restrictions to apply. Please see terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800 327 for 24 7 support. Play it smart from the start. Game says ma.com or call 1 800 GAM 1234. Okay, the good. Let's sink into this for a little while. You deserve this. Christian Gonzalez, this is why you drafted him. This is why I was revving up the hype train along with all of the reporters watching OTAs and minicamp and training camp going, this dude is already one of the best players on the field now he had a little bit of a dip wilted in late august but since football started real physical football he has not come off the field and yes this is partly because jonathan jones wasn't available and jack jones has been hurt and oh and marcus jones joined his jones brothers uh with a shoulder injury and we wish the best to all of them but christian gonzalez showed you he is a legitimate first round talent and some of the other people who have started to play him including tyree kill had said he's going to be a really good player in this league we all saw the interception. Okay, great. The thing that I loved about it was that he and Jabril Peppers had a quick pre-snap check before that play. That shows a lot of trust from Peppers. That, that kid not only hears me and knows what it means, but he's going to get in the right position and play a spot that he doesn't really play at all in this defense. So Gonzalez drifts back to play action throw. And finally, the Patriots have been waiting all game for this. Tua Tugabailoa throws deep, just saying, F it. Tyreek is down there somewhere. He'll come down with this, and he did not because Christian Gonzalez was behind him and then directly in front of him in perfect position for that interception. Mind you, he had spent a lot of time with Tyreek Hill because I asked Christian after the game, as I'm noting, going, 
huh, third down, two minute, other critical situations. Christian Gonzalez is not playing sides. He's shadowing Tyreek Hill. And that's, again, why you draft him. He's six foot two, four three speed, fluid as hell. He didn't allow a catch to Tyreek Hill. Now, they didn't play a ton of man coverage. I had it just below 30% for the whole game. This was a big GTFB, get the F back, zone coverage kind of game. But they could only trust Christian Gonzalez. And he rewarded that trust, not just with the pick, but his consistent, steady play, knowing his leverage, his own awareness, and coming up with the biggest defensive play of the game. Christian Gonzalez. But this isn't even the good. This is this is freaking great if you're a Patriots fan looking at this defense. Okay. Offense. Believe it or not, bright spot. Ramondre Stevenson. The total yards aren't great. They weren't in the opener. Three catches, 10 yards as a receiver, but he created yards on his own. And if you listen to this podcast last year, you heard me say after multiple games, his total yards after contact sometimes were higher than his total yards, meaning that Stevenson was getting hit in the backfield and moving ahead for a gain of two, but his total yards after contact in that play would have been three. So he came close to that here against Miami. But what he also did was convert in short yards. Patriots were five for five to start, something you probably didn't expect given the state of this offensive line, which could have been down four starters coming into today. Cole Strange comes back, just a really rough start, but we'll, we'll hit pause on that. Mike Conwendo plays 46 snaps, gives the rest to Antonio Maffi, mostly in the second half. Stevenson, though, is still the player that you need, that you can come close to building an offense around, but you need to give him that line. In the meantime, he'll get you the short yardage. He'll get you the touchdown to come back, and he'll catch some passes out of the backfield. So, again, nothing spectacular here, but good enough in all those areas where I don't think you're going to find another player, especially in offense, as well-rounded as him. He delivered in the small spots as much as he could, again, in light of the offensive line. Uh, another good that we had from the Dolphins game, Mac under pressure. Okay, I've talked about this ad nauseum. We'll keep it short. Against the Dolphins, I had him 9 of 13 for 81 yards, yes, with four sacks, and an 18-yard scramble. Versus the Blitz, Mac was 7 of 9 for 74 yards and a sack. And that sack came on their opening drive when Miami kept pressuring the Patriots uh, with the same B-gap blitz where the linebacker is coming between the space between the, the guard and the tackle. This was usually to the boundary side, the shorter side of the field, like if the Patriots are on the left hash. It came from the left side, a little closer to the sideline, less ground to cover. Patriots fixed that because that was always when they were an empty sets right max and empty protection next time he saw it gets the ball out quickly completion in Kasiki. mac has better answers against the blitz of course thanks to bill o'brien but he himself is calmer he's sharper and he's playing faster and yes this is not translated to a comeback win despite the fact he had another opportunity to deliver as we talked about last week you know in the face of pressure as being a blitz i think i actually switched this up last week so forgive me we're going to do these pods a little bit earlier when i got a little more uh brain power but in the face of pressure, he's good and good. It's just under pressure in those big moments. He hasn't delivered yet. Of course, on that last drive, like the first one, um, he took a sack, which this time wasn't his fault. But overall, under pressure, in the, fa in the face of pressure. Defensive guy trying to take his head off, Mac Jones, uh, delivered. Very good sign, especially after facing that against the Eagles last week. Uh, two more. Uh, special teams. The block field goal. Holy hell, was this cool. Okay? There was a great breakdown from the Pat McAfee show today that I only found online because today is again, always notes, stats, play diagrams, cutting gifts. You'll find it all the Boston Herald.com. But McAfee as a former punter and holder noted that as Brendan schoolers running parallel to the line of scrimmage, 
and then wheels up field like he's Tyreek Hill playing offense for the Dolphins. He was staring at Jake Bailey, old friend Jake Bailey, former Patriots punter, now, of course, with Miami, holding for that field goal. And it appears the Patriots picked up on a tell that Jake, according to McAfee, and I watched the video too, but I had to do it three times to see what he was talking about here, would always look back to the kicker, give that hand motion, like, okay, are you ready? Kicker would nod. And after the nod, Bailey would take this deep inhale that you could just barely notice if you were kind of close to him or maybe on the sideline. And so what Schooler did was look, kicker gave the signal. And as soon as he saw the shoulder pads on Bailey rise, he's taking this breath. He knows right then he's about to ask for the snap. And that means he can start running parallel, curl in, and obviously block the kick. Tremendous design. You were, you were gonna, They said it on the broadcast. You're going to see this everywhere. And I think field goal teams are going to have to change up their cadence, go faster, a different snap count. But this wasn't a case of Brennan Schooler running and seeing that the clock go from two to one. Now I can go because it's about to be zero. They snapped this at about three. And it was because of that tell. Just unbelievable play. Uh, last one. Defensive adjustments. You might have heard or read. Uh, the Patriots had a pretty wacky defensive game plan. For Miami. And of course, it's no surprise, Bill Belichick. It's no surprise, Bill Belichick, with virtually no corners to play for him against two of the best receivers in the entire league. The thing is, the game plans are fun. Miami still scored 10 points in its first two drives. They scored 17 points in the first half. So it wasn't the fact that this game plan, which involved three safeties, just chilling out 15 to 16 yards behind the line of scrimmage, between the numbers, really just hanging around at the hashes. They're making a small wall, kind of like we talked about last week when, you know, Philly would face third and long. A lot of guys to the line of scrimmage showing blitz. Everyone else sitting at the sticks and this, just, again, making a wall. You had three safeties doing that in the first drive and the second drive. What that did was left the flats wide open because the corners are also playing off and a lot of space up the scenes. And the Patriots did this for two reasons. One of which is, of course, you want to win the middle of the field. And that's where Tua thrives. The second part is Tyreek Hill, okay? And they just took this to an extreme. We are going to put three players clustered together around the hash marks where you just cannot throw here. And if you want to go deep down the sideline, the other area where Tyreek Hill, who got 215 yards against the Chargers, did most of his damage, will just zip right over there. So they took away his two most common routes last week. It was a deep over and a go ball down the sideline. So no surprise, Tyreek Hill has five catches for 40 yards. The thing was, again, Miami was happy to play patient football. Dumps into the flat, wide handoffs. Because up front, you know, again, if you're playing your corners off, and you got three safeties deep, that leaves only six players up front to defend against sometimes two backs or two tight ends. And the Patriots are in a 5-1 front. So you've got five, you know, three defensive linemen, outside linebackers all along. Each one has a gap. And then just Jawan Bentley roaming free. The idea being we have all the gaps covered. We're going to let that linebacker roam and hit, whether you cut back, whether you follow your blocking or you bounce it outside. And Miami just got around it because the edge setting was not good enough. Jelani Tavai and Josh Duce, yada, yada. But the Patriots moved off that. They said, we spent all week working in this game plan that had Miami players, in their own words, just befuddled after the game because it didn't work. And the adjustments were to play a lot more of their, their kind of core stuff, a little bit more uh, single high. You know, they would rotate into too high. They stopped blitzing. Tua was four of six for, I think, 43 yards. Burned them. Had bare, uh, He averaged 2.08 seconds from snap to throw. So it didn't matter that, you know, you've got a great pass rush. It didn't matter that they were going to blitz because Tua had that space 
up the seams and in the flats. He got the ball out so quickly, nullified any pressure. Judon was the only guy with multiple pressures. He had a whopping two. But the way the Patriots adjusted to creep up and help against the run game and to take up those spaces in the seams and on the flats forced Miami to adjust again. And they only had a touchdown in the second half. Obviously, Mostert's felt like a backbreaker in the moment. But this is a defense that had an unusual game plan. It should have worked. It didn't. Plan B did. And that's kudos to them. Okay, time for the bad. Uh, play calling. Offensively, not impressed. I, I, this was Patricia-esque to me in heavy reliance on screens. Quick game. We all remember the quick game effing sucks quote from Mac. I wasn't quite there watching the press box. You understand why they're doing it. The offensive line, injuries, backup tackles. They allowed a pressure rate of 38%. I get all that. The thing is, when I'm saying, here comes a screen, and it's your fourth or your fifth or sixth of the game, Miami's doing the same thing. And I already gave the Juju stat. He ran half of those screens, three for minus one yard total. All of their screens went for an average of two and a half yards per play. That's down from 3.3 the week before. Play action, 13.8%. I think it's still too low. You can go max protect. Like you need to generate explosive plays. And there's nothing the Patriots did, especially after benching DeMario Douglas, which I understand. You know, I, I wouldn't have done it for the rest of the game. Belichick obviously said his bit, or he said something. It wasn't an actual explanation post game. But there was not enough help here from Bill O'Brien, aside from putting Mac in empty, where he's only averaging 5.2 yards per drop back, according to ESPN. And that was supposed to be an empty set. He can see the field, dissect the defense, you know, find a matchup, get the ball out quickly. Not doing that well enough. And there wasn't enough aside from, okay, screw it. We're going to run 12 personnel last four drives. That's two tight ends. One back, two tight ends, two receivers. It was Parker and Bourne on the outside, Gasicki and Henry, and reminder, Stevenson. And the only players to come off the bench into those groupings were Ezekiel Elliott and Juju Smith-Schuster whenever Stevenson or Kendrick Bourne needed a breather. The other part about this, and we'll move on to the next one, is Bill, <laughs> Bill O'Brien started with 10 straight under center plays that ran the football. Okay, so Miami, naturally, the start of the second half, when it's second and one on the Patriots' opening possession, gets a stop. Second and one handoff to Stevenson, they're under center, stone cold stop. Third and one, Patriots are back under center. Tenth time, it's a handoff. Stevenson goes back three yards. So, these things will catch up with you. It's not that Bill O'Brien wasn't perfect. It's not that tells don't develop. Every team has habits, okay, and tendencies. That's just, just the reality of the NFL. But you can't afford to have one that glaring in such a big spot because that ended the drive right there. Two chances to get one yard, and they went backwards three. You just can't have it. Uh, all right, the receiver depth after Douglas. I, I talked about Juju a lot in the last episode, the reporting I had done around him, the decision to run with. Henry, Kasicki, Parker, Bourne, and Stevenson tells you I'm right. And I knew I was right from the people I spoke to in the organization. But when the Patriots do that for three, four straight drives to end the game, these are our best pass catchers. This is who we have the most confidence in. This is what we're doing. That's it. Juju is on the sideline for that. And it's a bummer. There's a better player in there somewhere. I don't think he's catching swing passes or bubble screens or anything like that. He had a really nice connection with Mac on a scramble drill play. You remember just in front of the uh, right pylon, set up reminder Stevenson score. Need more of that, okay? Because overall, the depth around Douglas just couldn't get it done. Like, again, he is their most explosive player, and it's a six-round rookie, which is a whole commentary on the roster as it is. But you need to play that kid and take their growing pains because the upside is your only shot now coming uh, back from 0-2 because the receivers here 
Parker's a good contested catch specialist. My colleague Doug Kai tweeted that Mac is one of seven targeting Kendrick Bourne deep. Again, I've loved what I've seen from Kendrick most of this year. He's just, none of these are scary go-to players if you look at it from a defensive perspective. And I think that's what we need to do more often than we do. Okay, so you guys have heard me talk a fair amount about betting on this podcast, giving you some advice, told you where to make those bets. So I got a quick question for you. What if there was an app that used AI and machine learning to suggest smart sports bets? Well, good news, and you might have guessed it. There is, and that app is called Odds Are. It's the mobile app you need to know what bets of the day are the smart ones. So just download the app right now. I'm serious, and sign up for an account. And just let the latest data analysis guide you through today's point spreads, money lines, and over-unders. If you see green, that's a smart bet. If you see yellow, you're on your own. And if you see red, just don't do it. Move on to the next. Because odds are doesn't take your bets. It makes you better at making them. With odds are on your mobile phone, you're always a tap away from making a smart play every day. It's smart betting made simple. So find the odds are app in the app store or on Google Play and get a two-week free trial. It's just 10 bucks a month after that because the casinos and sportsbooks want you to bet, but odds are wants you to win. Go get it. Pat's Interference listeners actually get a special deal too. You get your first 30 days of the app free, totally free. If you go to odds are, that's O-D-D-S, the letter R.com slash Pat's to download the app. That's odds are.com slash P-A-T-S for 30 days of smarter betting. Free! I'd call that a winning bet. Uh, offensive tackles. Okay, we talk about Cole Strange and Michael Wendu coming back. Big plus for this offense. Um, Michael Wendu, I didn't have down for a run stuff or a pressure allowed. Cole Strange allowed a run stuff, probably a sack. Uh, I don't know the exact protection call, but he was closest to the blitzer that came in cleanly on the Pats opening drive and gave it up. Uh, and then couldn't hold the block on a screen that eventually went for zero yards on third and 21. But after that, Cole cleaned it up. Vidarian Lowe, left tackle, and Calvin Anderson, right tackle, whoever did not. They both give up a sack. Five pressures allowed for Anderson, four for Lowe. Not totally unexpected. Anderson missed all the preseason and training camp serious illness. He's actually going to tell us why this week we checked in with him in the locker room. I think it was Friday. And, you know, because he had said, hey, we're, we'll talk about this later, Tom. I need to play more football. So uh, uh, eager to learn what he went through because he described it as putting his football future in doubt. Anyway, Bedarian Lowe has been here for three, four weeks. Trent Brown, when healthy, is going to play. And they need him to play because you can handle one tackle giving up four or five pressures. Maybe not per game, but close. You can't have both. You can't run offense like that. And obviously the Patriots have to. Uh, run defense. Devon Gotcha, Florence Guy, where are we at? Edge setting, as I mentioned. Uche gets run at in the first drive, gives up a long gain. Tavai loses the edge on Mostert's first touchdown, cutback eight-yarder in the second quarter. Bentley and Tavai both had two missed tackles. Off game from Bentley, I was surprised. It's, it's not really his type of game, playing a lot in space, chasing around small jitterbug receivers, um, but he, they, they just got to be better overall. All right, last one, then we're getting to the fixes. What would NFL film say? And uh, your mailbag questions. Max anticipation is something I, I don't know if I brought on this pod. I've certainly written about it. And I would just keep an eye out because there's a play third and seven. And then, yeah, this sounds like anecdotal evidence. You know, give me some real deeper numbers, some bigger picture, bigger sample size. But it encapsulates the difference right now. One of the differences between him and Tua. And Tua, I was wrong, wrote two years ago, the Patriots are in better position. Max, a better quarterback moving forward, yada, yada. Tua has been the better quarterback 
It's not due to his weapons and system. There are skills you can isolate and look at and say, he's doing this better. One of which is anticipation. As I mentioned, third and seven, it's late in the first half. Mac is throwing at Devontae Parker, running a skinny post. It's an in-breaker from left to right. Mac sits in the pocket, sits in the pocket, waits for Parker to snap off that route. He does. Then he starts his motion and throws. And it looks close enough, quick enough, that he should have completed that ball. And it was just a really great job by Deshaun Elliott, Dolphin safety, who comes down, bats it away, pass break up, pats punt, and the Dolphins go down with a two-minute drill and lead 17-3 going at halftime. But the next pass that Tua throws, maybe it was a, the it was four snaps later, is another inbreaker for him to River Craycraft, twenty-two yarder. Tua is releasing the ball, not as Craycraft is. <laughs> I'm leaking confidence. Thing I can't remember how his last name is pronounced. Anyway, as River is snapping his head, not his hips, not his whole body, but he knows where he's going with the ball and anticipates that route breaking on time. That's an area, not just getting the ball out quicker to a 2.08 seconds to max 2.34, both very quick. But from a release and a mental standpoint, Tua played a lot faster. He's been playing faster. And you don't have to take it from me because when we talked with Mac last week, asked about Fangio's defense and this week and his game against the Eagles, he said it himself, I need to play faster. And the way I see it is anticipation, throwing guys open as they're breaking or just before they snap off their routes and putting the ball there so the defense doesn't have time to break on it or break up the pass. Okay, the fixes. Whether we are talking about the offensive line, still needs Trent Brown back, whether we're talking about the defense in their corner, it's just it's just time. And this is a lame answer, <laughs> but it's one that will get you more reps for the young guys. Uh, they started or dressed 11 rookies in the opener. That was down to eight or nine on Sunday. They need more reps. The injured guys need more time. And it's too bad because one and one, you'd feel like you have a little bit more than you do going down to the Jets. Where if you win there, obviously you're two and one. Two wins in the division maybe feeling really good. The Patriots are running out of what they don't have. And it starts with time. But it helps with the health at offensive line, at corner. Other things besides just looking at your watch. They need to find a way to generate deeper pass plays. I mentioned this already. Max protection. Under center play action, especially in light of their, their run pass splits when they're under center. It's super heavy run. Most teams are, but this is extreme. Okay. They're 16 to 17% play action for the season, somewhere around there. That has to get higher. And get DeMario Douglas more touches. Again, the, you just have to go through it with him. This is a way to get yards after catch with him. You could send him deep if you want. Parker down the sideline. I know he missed the opener. But there are things you can do schematically offensively because offense is what's holding the back. It's not just the fourth quarter drives that they failed to make a comeback on or even win the game. It's the first quarter turnovers. Okay. And the inability to get synced up, which helps with time, uh, but it's not going to get any easier going against this Jets defense. Patriots are two and a half point favorites, at least as we start the week, I think they'll win I'm the same guy. I thought they would win on Sunday, but it starts with the X's and O's where just the quick game shotgun empty sets, at least through two games. And this is going to be another similar defense prefers to just rush four. Keep two safeties back. They'll make some quarters, some more cover two. Uh, it's just you, you can't keep using that formula. We've seen this story. They gotta they gotta mix it up, and I think uh, you will perhaps with some trickery. Uh, desperate teams obviously go to desperate measures. Okay, what would NFL film say for those of you who joined us this year? This is a segment I did after every single Patriots game last year, inspired by a VHS tape I had as a kid, 1995 New England Patriots season. 
I talked about this with Ted Johnson, member of the 1995 uh, New England Patriots. He had no idea what the hell I was talking about. And you probably don't either. But the reason I bring this up is because we are all at some point seduced by the great work at NFL films. The dramatized slow motion of the spirals going through the air, the deep horns, orchestra music behind everything, just how every, like the whole world feels like it's dependent on whatever play that you're showing. Legacies of players, coaches, teams, regions, like the, the fate of countries. I don't know. Okay. So I look at this and say, not only is this just a fun callback to that VHS or sometime or, you know, one of the America's games, they look back at the Super Bowl season for uh, the team that won that year. They, they do a great job. It also lends us perspective. Okay. Because you're going to hear a lot of people ask, is this a must win game for the Patriots going to play the Jets? I'm going to tell you right now, no. But it's about as big as a week three game can get. And so, how will we look at this on the VHS tape of the 2023 Patriots? That's dependent, yeah, sure, on whether or not they make the playoffs or not. Um, but that 1995 season, they were 5-11, and 11, and they still made a tape. So the point is, when we zero in in this game, how is that clip going to go? I would say this. If I'm the director of that tape, I say the Patriots, uh, you know that it's their first Sunday night football game since Tom Brady came back with the Bucs in 2021. Brady, of course, was at the opener. So you say... In light of primetime, did Brady leave a little bit of magic? Could they whip up a win here against the Dolphins? Home underdogs, first signature win. Not so fast. The game starts like the Eagles. Immediate parallels, first quarter turnover, maybe a mention of the weird game plan. Offense is sluggish. Marcus Jones goes down with an injury, already down Jonathan Jones and Jack Jones. You see the Tyree kill touchdown. Patriots head down, going to the locker room. It's 17-3. to And then they mention, of course, one of the hallmarks of the Bill Belichick team. It's just not the funky game plan that you see. It's also special teams getting an edge there. And I swear to God, in this fictitious video, they are going to play that Brennan Schooler field goal block over under 10 and a half times. We'll put a prop up on, uh, on Fandle. Um, and you just go slow motion and slow motion. And there's a comparison to the same motion that Tyree Kill mentions that I already made uh, already. And just the momentum and the energy and Foxborough comes alive. And then they get a touchdown. Then Christian Gonzalez guys for that interception. Then they get another touchdown and the ball's in max hands because we're going to forget the missed field goal and that two would drop to snap on third and one. That was really all fortunate, but for the story of the Patriots coming back and then they come up short and it's the same deal as week one and they cut to a quiet locker room and Matt Judon giving an impassioned speech as he did after the game, just impromptu 83 seconds ahead of time of just, we're not a bad team. Okay. We're not going to take questions like we're a bad team and we're going to get better and we have to do something. Something's got to give. And then we see what comes in week three uh, of what would NFL films say. Okay, mailbag. What do we got? We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So didn't get to all of them. Uh, we'll have another mailbag later this week. Guest is TBD previewing the Jets game and talking about uh, some more reporting coming up. Okay, guys, taking a quick break from the football to talk about a new Pats Interference partner, AG1. It's a daily nutritional supplement for whole body health. I gave AG1 a try, frankly, because... They gave me a call, but now after months of using AG1, I am giving you a call because I take one scoop of AG1, mix it into a glass of water every morning before breakfast and drink it. And right then and there, I know, regardless of how long my day goes, how stressed I get or how busy I am with work down at Foxborough, I have taken care of my vitamin, mineral and nutrient needs. I have taken care of my body and it makes me feel great. And as they say, you are what you eat. And what AG1 is, is a science-driven formulation of those vitamins, minerals, and probiotics, 
all whole food source nutrients that support your energy, focus, strength, and mental clarity every single day. Who doesn't need that mental clarity, especially nowadays? And AG1 as a whole is raising the standard for quality in the supplement category. That goes for you folks taking the one pill a day. So if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, give AG1 a try and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do, it's very simple. Go to drinkag1.com slash pats. That's drinkag1.com slash P-A-T-S. Drinkag1.com slash pats. Check it out. In the meantime, reporting for Ashley, who asks, quote, Andrew, what is the biggest concern offensively right now for the Patriots? Is it the offensive tackle position, interior O-line, no true number one receiver, or Mac? It's a good question. I'm going to say offensive tackle because I just think the in-house answers, and that's really all you have now. Free agency's done. Draft was long ago. You, you've got what you got. Uh, are not great. Trent Brown is still, as we said in late April, in early May, your only starting caliber offensive tackle. That's it. Calvin Anderson, we just said, five pressures allowed. Guy was a swing tackle in Denver. They said, thanks, but no thanks. And the Patriots bring him in. And maybe he's your starting right tackle and things get better. But Riley Reef is banked up. He played a right guard. Like, if you had to trade for one piece, you get another bookend tackle. You have your starting guards back. They're healthy. you got a center in David Andrews. That has a calming presence on the rest of the offense. We can run the ball a little bit better with a stable right tackle. We can give those receivers time to get open downfield. We can give Mac time to sit in the pocket. Okay, a number one receiver would certainly help part of that. But – He's not going to help everything. The tackle does. So me, for me, that's the biggest worry. Maybe City Seattle goes back and they play right tackle. I don't know. But Darian Lowe, Tyrone Wheatley Jr., uh, who didn't see any time. It's just, it's not great. And the Patriots knew that. That's why they swung two trades right before the season for Wheatley and Lowe. Lowe had to play. Didn't go great. That's where they're at. But they have no other options. Lamar. <laughs> Lamar's. Lamar, back off of the, the plank here. Okay. It's 0-2. It's not 0-200. But I know you want to know, quote, thoughts on drafting a quarterback and actually paying for a starting caliber veteran, veteran tackle next season. First of all, yes to the second one. Uh, continuing, I know the situation around Mac hasn't been great, but his physical limitations and penchant for an errant interception don't have me inspired that he's a long-term solution. So uh, no thoughts on drafting a quarterback. I, I know the top names, Caleb Williams, Drake May, beyond that, Shadur Sanders, throw him in there for fun. Um, beyond that, I, I have nothing. I wouldn't rule it out. If you're the Patriots and Mac Jones does not continue to take steps, I would argue that he has taken steps. And yes, that interception right into Xavier Howard's belly button, not good. And he needs to deliver in the big moment. One fourth quarter comeback, it was against the Texans in his rookie year, and they were eight and a half point favorites. And they have two wins as an underdog, one of which was the, the Bills win in the windstorm. Just a situation you cannot possibly recreate. So he needs to be better in the big moments we talked about. I just wouldn't bet on it now. I, I, I need to see more from him. I need to give him a better chance. If Trent Brown comes back, they put up 30 on the Jets, and I get it's the Jets, but that defense is really good. You're looking at a guy who right now has uh, four touchdowns and two interceptions. Say that goes to six and two, and he's averaging close to 250. With these weapons and a line of everything that's gone on, that sounds like a decent quarterback to me. So, again, I think we just, we just need to see more. Bob Dylan, the Bob Dylan. Uh, why does – oh, this must be speaking about Bill. Quote, why does Bill obfuscate when it comes to his obvious benching of DeMario Douglas? 
He's talking about good games for players when we had 288 yards of offense. It's like an SNL skit. How can anyone take him seriously at this point? He's beyond frustrating at this point. I will tell you, um, no one knows frustration in Bill Belichick press conference is really better than your boy. Uh, now, part of it is just that's how the game goes. It's how everything is here. It's fine. It's his prerogative. I've said that many, many times. But when Bill does say they had, quote, a lot of production, end quote, on offense, and you averaged 4.1 yards per play and had 288 total, yeah, you're going, what game were you watching? Because it wasn't the Patriots losing 24 to 17 to the Dolphins and having three points, uh, I think, going into the fourth quarter. So, yeah, going into the fourth quarter. I think for him, it goes to a rule specific to Douglas and not saying, yeah, I benched him. It's just you never, ever, ever come close to throwing players under the bus. And I a million percent respect this. And why you did anything, media doesn't need to know. Fans don't deserve to know. His conversations between the player or between the two of them. If he wants to share, of course, I would like to know. So I can tell you. And we know for sure on the record what the truth is. But in his mind, no one deserves that. Except for the players and the coaches and members of the organization. We don't fall in that umbrella. So we can go kick rocks. Uh, Fiora. Uh, says, quote, it looked like to me that Judon dropped into coverage a lot last night. I thought we'd see him rushing to him more often. Parentheses, I know he did some. Did I see it correctly? Two, if so, why do you think they made that choice? So Judon dropped only eight times, and he allowed, allowed to. This is where PFF's tracking and, and coverage stats get really muddy because if you're just in the vicinity, whether for the right reasons, the wrong reasons, like they they give that catch to that person. Man coverage makes sense. Zone, it's not necessary. Not necessarily so. It could be uh, the scheme was better offensively. It could be you were in the wrong place or you made a right read and got there to cover for somebody else or you're millions of miles away in prevent defense and they have to give that catch to someone defensively and you just happen to be closest. Anyway, Judon allowed uh, two catches of Tyree Kill in key spots. And that's why I think, because you were not alone in noting this, that everyone sticks, it sticks in their mind and goes, Wow, Judah, why isn't Judon rushing more? Eight is a little high, I'll tell you. And the Patriots increased the rate at which he dropped last season, and it actually benefited their pass rush because then these double teams, these slid protections or the back coming up to chip, look at him and go, oh, we didn't expect that. And then here comes Josh Uche along the backside, free or winning his one-on-one. So there are some advantages. It wasn't as... Um, Prominent, as I think a lot of us thought. I, I would have guessed more than eight, certainly, after my first watch. But having watched the film again and looked at those stats, uh, it, it wasn't all that much. So was it the right choice? I, I don't think it was significant one way or another. I mean, he he still had a sack, quarterback hit, um, to negated all that pressure. And I think what they were doing, as we talked about early, when he dropped, or Uche did, they're trying to get to that short seam area that they've been giving up with their initial game plan. And that was part of the adjustment. Who's there? Okay, we're not going to bring a safety down and risk something over the top. We'll have a four-man rush, but drop Judon off one side and bring someone from the opposite to kind of replace that, that pressure. All right, Jim. Jim uh, asked, quote, was the O-line as bad as it looked? Uh, I went over this. I would say the offensive tackles were. But to their credit, I mean, maybe, maybe take this the opposite way. It wasn't that bad until the fourth quarter. It wasn't that bad until they really had to be great. And they weren't. Uh, but as far as the interior line goes, uh, let me see. I have David Andrews. He allowed a run stuff. And then that last quarterback hit on Mac on that third down. So obviously that weights more. But everybody else uh, was much better than low. And um, I'm just never going to find this. There are too many pages. Oh, here it is. 
yeah, run stuff for Cole Strange, run stuff for David Andrews, quarterback hit allowed, and a sack for Antonio Maffi. So Antonio Maffi coming in for Mike Onwenu at right guard. Yeah, not great. Altogether, 38% pressure rate allowed, four sacks. You want to say they sucked, I'm not going to stop you. Um, Frankie, desperate Frankie, give me one reason to hold out hope. How about another episode of Pats Interference this week? Frankie, we got another one, bi-weekly during the season. No, look, I, you know, I said at the beginning, if you wanted to go with Max line, if we were 20 or 30 or 40 yards away or whatever from being 2-0, you could talk yourself into that. This is what happens week after week after a loss. Monday, it stings. Tuesday, that dulls a little bit. Wednesday, you're coming around. Thursday, they could win. Friday, this is how it's going to happen. That's the natural healing, grieving process in the NFL. The talent is better than what they've shown. The history of them not making these kind of mistakes is not great in the last couple of years. But I think the defense and the special teams are legit. Mac has been better. Trent Brown comes back healthy. You've got five projected starters back up front. And then it's just a matter of putting it together. So if you don't buy any of that, I'll say two of your hardest games on the schedule are behind you. You have the Jets. Dallas is going to hurt in week four. But then the Saints, the Raiders, not long after that, the Colts, and Washington, those sound like winnable games to me, and they should too. Last one, HC. Uh, quote, drafting, trading, and signing. Basically acquiring any kind of way. Skill position players have been a major issue for Bill in this front office for years, he adds. Uh, parenthetically, Sanu, Aguilar, Janu, Harry, Thornton, Juju, et cetera. Why haven't they adapted to what the rest of the league realized years ago? Last night was another perfect example. Okay. So Miami obviously takes a big swing trade early into his rookie contract. And I think, you know, zooming out for a second, of all the criticisms of the front office and their, their way they've gone about roster building, which has never, ever, ever been to chase the supposed number one receiver. They, they spread out the money an equal opportunity offense for the most part, they missed max rookie contract, this window in a way that I don't know if any other team has this badly. And it's from a spending standpoint, it's from a weapon standpoint, they swung in 2021 um, when they had Cam Newton as a quarterback. And some of those additions, you look at two tight ends are in there, you know, bolster the offensive line. Like that was supposed to be a run heavy offense. They haven't done anything remotely close since. And part of that is the pain of all the dead money that John o. Smith, still your second highest paid player in offense, by the way, for the New England Patriots, even though he's wearing red, white, and black for the Atlanta Falcons. Um, but they've missed the window. Absolutely critical. So as far as why they haven't adapted to what the rest of the league realized, I, I think, Bill, it's not that he doesn't care about offensive spending. It's not that he defaults to spending on defensive players because he's a defensive coach. It's not that simple, okay? The last 10 years, the Patriots' average single-season ranking in spending on offense is 14th in the league. Their average single-season ranking on defensive spending the last 10 years, 14th. And we can go through all the first-round picks. You did some of them. Nikhil Harry, Tyquan Thornton, second-round pick. Cole Strange, first-round pick. Sony Michelle, Isaiah Wynn, both first-round picks. It's just, for whatever reason, they stink at scouting on that side of the ball. And part of it is Bill leaning on college coaches like Todd Graham to take and kill Harry instead of anyone who went after him. I won't do the list. It's only going to hurt you uh, in that 2019 draft. And other times you just whiff and that's a draft, but yeah, they're not willing to spend top dollar in free agency for receivers or trade for them in a way. And those are your most known 
commodities. The surest bets you can have a receiver or guys have already done it in the league. Go out and get one like Stephon Diggs or Tyree Kill uh, with the Dolphins. They won't do it. They just don't pay receivers that much. I think part of it is Bill believes he can take them out of a game. And hell, sometimes he's right. Tyree Kill had five catchers for 40 yards. You would have taken that as a heartbeat before the game and think the Patriots probably win. They didn't. And it wasn't because of the defense. It was because they didn't have an answer offensively coming full circle to me saying Demario Douglas is, yeah, a six-round rookie who made a boneheaded mistake and your most explosive offensive player. And so I think they have a philosophical difference in terms of how important receivers are. And you see that reflected in the way that they spend, but it's not an offense versus defensive thing. And they just, they have a blind spot. They have a receiver since basically beyond branch. So that'll do it. Okay. Thanks for hanging out. These are always a little bit longer. That had a ton of information. If you want to see more about um, what Miami did, how the Patriots can fix things and bounce back. Uh, full film review is up at thebostonherald.com. Again, I would, I would do your best just to feel good about facing the Jets. If for no other reason, then we don't have to wonder what Zach Wilson looks like because he gave us just a gorgeous reminder down in Dallas with three interceptions uh, and a big, huge loss for the Jets. So Patriots are two and a half point favorites. Find that at FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. And uh, I think the Patriots are going to one and two. It sounds crazy based on what we watched, but they have been close and just try to hold on to that. Until then, we will be back uh, either Thursday night again with a live show or Friday morning will be dropped into your feeds or here on YouTube. Be well, guys. The CLNS Media Network is powered by FanDuel. Sign up at FanDuel.com slash Boston and get in on the action with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. When you place a $5 bet, that's $200 in bonus bets. Win or lose.